Oh, well, uh, let me add my welcome to you. It's great to see you here at King's. It's great to share God's uh, word with you. Uh, before I get into the message today, which is uh, out of our series, What a Beautiful Name, looking at some of the names given to Jesus, uh, we'll be looking at Emmanuel, God with us, in a moment. I just wanted to thank you again uh, for your prayers, uh, Deb and I, as we were in Harare, uh, visiting the church River of Life. This was the sixth visit in six years for us. It's a church that we have close friendship with, growing partnership with. In fact, uh, William D.L. here, who is uh, married to Hillary, who was just introducing me, uh, one of our elders was there on a business trip before. So he really took all the... the all, I, I was trying to get all the glory. He was really on the ground. Okay, that was what was happening here. And so I was speaking to William through the week as the army, if you know the story of what happened in Zim, sort of took over. Uh, in many ways, you were there, weren't you, William? So it was like, okay, do I stay, do I leave? Uh, for um, Deb and I, it was a little bit more complicated because obviously it's not every day you consider flying into an African nation that's going for a coup. So we just thought we'll better take good advice. So we did. We spoke to the elders, trustees, did a full risk assessment, spoke to people on the ground, both William and Scott, and in the end concluded that we will go. Uh, We wanted to be with the believers there at such a significant uh, time. Uh, so we uh, flew in, and it was true, as you came out of the airport, there were soldiers, but they were friendlier than the police that are normally there on the roadblocks. And then, well, what happened, Scott, our host, said, let's go down into Harare, into the city, and have a look at the armoured vehicles, the tanks. I think they're armoured vehicles rather than tanks. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in now, so I'm thinking, oh, okay then. So here's a picture of one of them we saw. So that's it. So we literally drove through the city. And we'd been advised by the Foreign Office not to take pictures. But when you're there, you've just got to, you know? I mean, so I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a, a sort of under, sort of cover reporter now. And so we're driving along. I've got my iPhone. I'm going, I'm going like this. Just like, so that was quite fun. And then... More seriously, uh, on the Saturday, we changed our itinerary so that the church could go on the march, and a lot of the elders and leaders were down there. That was quite a remarkable thing. This is a leaders' meeting on Saturday evening, where for the first 45 minutes, they just shared stories of what it was like to be on the march, and to be in a context where, I mean, to be under a dictatorship for 37 years, to be able to freely express what you, you believed without the fear of being beaten by the, the police was quite moving, actually. And uh, we'd been there, as I say, six years in a row, but you're kind of protected. You kind of fly in, you fly out. But for a moment, we got a glimpse of what it was like to live under that level of oppression. And uh, so that was an amazing uh, evening. And then on the Sunday morning, uh, William was there, uh, uh, you can just see him in the background there. If you can see, that's I'm appointing elders, three elders in the church. Uh, this is on the Eastley. There are church over a thousand. They have two sites, five meetings on a Sunday. Very similar to Kings. We've uh, while I was there, William and I invited their executive team, which is like their senior staff team. We're going to fly them over to spend a week with us. And then Scott, who leads the church, will be preaching here in April. So we're really trying to build a close friendship with this uh, church in Harare. We think it's good for a church like us to connect into, actually behind the scenes, a very vulnerable economy, tanked and all that. Uh, But uh, we thought that you would uh, like to know about that. 
Uh, in fact, just as we were about to leave, we phoned Deb's parents. Deb's parents said, um, we don't think you should go. We don't want our daughter. They didn't speak to me, uh, but they d- didn't want their daughter to fly into an African nation going through a coup, or actually any, any nation. In fact, William said, he said, well, I've been in three nations that have been going through a coup, two of them in South America and one in Zim. Zim was chilled compared to the coups. In- so I thought, wow, okay, man, he's well-travelled as old William, isn't he? But Deb's parents said, no, we don't want to go. My parents said, yeah, you, you can go, that's fine. Thinking, all, right, all right, Dad, thanks. Okay, right, returning, you realise that Christmas is upon us. You come back, we came back Friday week back, so big red boxes, kings, Christmas trees, carol services all over the place, a blur of activity. Uh, and uh, this year the, the Christmas teaching theme is around names given to God, but we face a big challenge up front, all of us, particularly if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you face what I call the familiarity test. We are just so familiar with the, the verses that we'll read through the Christmas time, the, the carols that we're seeing. It's sort of, we're kind of, in many ways, we're inoculated or anethnotized to the kind of impact of what's going on here, which is God coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. It reminded me of the FA Cup final in May 2016. Crystal Palace playing Man United. This was the Crystal Palace fans. I mean, the Crystal Palace fans, which I was there with two of my sons. We were there. We were singing and we were dancing. There were balloons. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a once-in-a-generation moment. Crystal Palace in the FA Cup final. And we're dancing. We're even losing and we're singing. Okay? <laughs> At the other end, there's the Man United fans. Yeah? I couldn't find a picture of the Man United fans. I couldn't find it. Because there they're going things like this, you know. Oh, it's only the FA Cup final. We've won the Premiership 19 times. And then occasionally they'd go, attack, attack, attack. And that was it. The only song they sang. So familiar are with Man United fans on winning things. Well, until recent history. But let's not go there, eh, shall we? And so my first application of the day is let's not be like Man United fans. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. 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 Okay. Let's be like Crystal Palace fans. Mm. And come to the Christmas narrative. Gosh, I've been here 23 years. I don't think I've ever found an illustration so alive with meaning. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. Right. Better get to the scripture quick, try and recover this message. Okay, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to read from Matthew 1. Let's endeavour to come with fresh eyes to the Christmas story. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin, as Isaiah 7, uh, the, uh, Isaiah 7, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of all had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Matthew's uh, gospel uh, starts with just uh, name after name, in fact. It's an action-packed introduction to the good news of uh, Jesus. With an eye on his target audience, a Jewish reader, uh, where Luke was more interested in the Gentile, uh, Matthew is, is thinking of the Jewish reader. He connects through a series of names uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ both Old Testament history and Old Testament covenant. So he says up front, hey look, this baby Jesus is in the line of Abraham and in the line of David. Abraham, the covenant to you'll be the father of all nations. David, that you'll have one on the throne in your line forever. Particularly important to the Jewish reader. This baby fulfills both covenants and in fact introduces a new covenant. A new covenant, a new agreement between God and man that you can have your sins forgiven, in fact, in the person of Jesus himself. There's angels appearing, there are dreams, and so often in the sovereign plan of God, there's a person like you and me caught up in it. In this account, it's poor old Joseph. I, I was trying to get my mind into Joseph this week. I was thinking, wow. Where Luke focuses on Mary's account, Uh, Matthew focuses on Joseph's account. Boy meets girl and they get betrothed. Actually, this week has been quite a week, hasn't it? Because you've got Harry and Meghan. Oh, wow. And I liked it when the Prince of England had to say, I met this woman, I thought I'd better up my game. I thought that was a good line. If you meet a girl you like, guys, up your game. All right? Okay. Now, they're engaged here. Joseph and Mary, they're betrothed. That, That is basically, that's more than engagement. It's closer to marriage. But Joseph's having a bad day. He's just found out the girl that he loves, that he's betrothed to, more or less like married, is uh, she's pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. This is not a good day. And uh, he's thinking, because he's an honourable man, what he's going to do, he's going to divorce her, the scripture says. That shows it's really closer to marriage than the engagement as we understand it uh, in their culture. He's going to divorce her. He's going to do it quietly, because if he did publicly, she could get stoned under the law for adultery. This is more than morality. This is adultery because it's covenant. And then um, God intervenes in a dream with an angel. I call this high-powered pre-marriage counselling. Comes in and resolves the situation. Joseph is obedient to God. And uh, as you know, the story goes and they get married. In Jewish culture also, names carried far much more meaning than, say, a white British culture. So I didn't know what my... I mean, my name's Steve. I, I, I didn't know what it stood for. Someone told me it's, it stood for good-looking. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll just, just throw that out there, you know. But no, it, it's a crown, I think, is, or something like that. It doesn't... But, but actually, Jewish culture is close to, say, Nigerian culture, where normally, if you hear a Nigerian name, you can maybe you get a feel for the tribe. It, it carries far more meaning... Uh, particularly African names, uh, than, say, a white British culture. And in scripture, names very often 
carry meaning. And particularly when it comes to the person of Jesus. In fact, not only do they carry meaning, they very often carry teaching. And Matthew uses a title, a new title, drawn from Isaiah 7, uh, but only used, it's like a once-off for a special occasion. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Nowhere else in the New Testament is this title given to Jesus. In fact, the Hebrew is the Emmanuel, and it's translated to in Greek immediately. God with us, a special name for a special occasion. Other gospel writers pick up the, the impact or the depth of this name, maybe most famously in John's gospel, where it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wonderful. Amazing. God. God with us. I've got three quick points of teaching and application for us this morning. And as is my style, I'm going to show you what they are up front. God with us, let us worship him is the first. God with us, let us invite others towards him. And thirdly, God with us, let us approach him. God with us, let us worship him. God with us, let us invite others towards him. God with us, let us approach him. So firstly, God with us, let us worship him. Kings, this year, again this year, if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, let's worship him. In the busyness and the presence and the carols and the boxes and all the blur of it, let's not lose focus of our worship of this Emmanuel, this baby, God with us. Um, God with us is the, the claim of gospel writers. This is the belief of Christ followers that God has come to earth. He's made his move. He has, uh, I don't have any chess players here. I like a good game of chess. Not bad at chess, if I say it myself, because no one else is. So, I, so I'm not bad at chess. But if you play chess, you know that there becomes a moment in the game where someone makes the move. This is the game-changing moment. It's the queen from d4 to c8, or whatever it is. And it actually, from that point of view, uh, and that moment... The game is over. It might take a little while for it to kind of finish, checkmate to come. But it's a game-changing move. This is, in history, when God comes to earth, it's a game-changing move. When the time had fully come, God sent his son. Or as a, a, a chorus we used to sing when I was growing up, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. God arrives on earth. Emmanuel, God with us. This is worthy of midnight song, angels appearing to startled shepherds. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Oh, it's great, isn't it? And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. Hallelujah. 
I mean, when I read that passage, this is what I visualize. I think New Year's Eve, Thames, fireworks in the sky. You just can't see the sky because there are fireworks. Uh, and then on the top of that template, there becomes a group of heavenly hosts. I mean, it's a big group, okay? And they are singing loud. And there's an angel, and added onto that is the glory of God, which in Scripture means the presence of God. But God's there. God's with us. And new stars appear in the sky and wise men travel from far. They see a star in the east and they come to worship him. Poor shepherds, wise men, rich and poor, old and young come to worship him. I don't know if you have a favourite carol. I have a kind of Steve Tibbet top three carols. And I, I need to tell you, there is a new number one this year. I have, for many years, had my number one carols, O Come, All Ye Faithful. That's been my favourite carols. Have I got any people out there that really like O Come, All Ye Faithful? That's, that's one of my favourites. But this year, there's a new top, a new number one. It is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love that carol. I hope we sing it across our Christmas time. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see how the incarnate deity pleased as men with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing glory to the new born king. God with us. Let us worship him. Secondly today, God with us, let us invite others towards him. Um, the uh, Carol Hark the Herald Angel Sing was written by Charles Wesley. He was the brother of John Wesley, who was the, the, the great preacher, evangelist, who started the Methodist movement. And basically, Charles Wesley was like the worship leader. He was the songwriter in that movement. And uh, he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But the one we sing, I discovered, is, is actually the fourth version. It's been amended a number of times. The one we sing... Uh, was written to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Gutenberg, the Gutenberg Press, which I'm sure is related to something to do with the printing of Scripture. The original version that Wesley wrote was connected to um, another hymn, a hymn that um, uh, was sung at Easter. The hymn, the melody... And the tune was the same. It was a somber number. And it was connected to the hymn that was regularly sung at Easter called Christ the Lord is Risen Today. And Wesley wrote it deliberately using the melody uh, from Easter because he wanted to connect Christmas to Easter together. He knew the coming of God, God with us, uh, God taking on flesh was all part of God's sovereign plan. And it ended ultimately with death and resurrection and a way to know God. And that's why I wrote it with the same melody. This a Christmas, why don't we invite others towards him? And the Christmas carol services always provide 
uh, a very easy invite. Uh, I mean, I've been inviting people all week. If, if it, uh, so our builder was around. We had some work done on our house. I invited him. I found out that he's already coming. Someone else in the church invited him. So I then invited the decorator who was there. He was a bit shocked. Nice guy. He's a Palace fan, by the way. Uh, and uh, he, um, he said, uh, uh, and then on uh, Thursday night, we're at our parents' evening with Sam, who was playing the guitar up here earlier. And uh, the teachers think they're there to tell us how well Sam's doing okay we're there and Sam takes the lead we're going to invite the teachers to the carol services so we're talking to his music teacher and it's all going well Sam Sam says you should come to one of our carol services and I'm in I'm in I'm in we're in and so whether he comes I don't know but we got an invite so why don't you who are you going to invite you're going to be here and who are you going to invite now why am I so passionate about this I'm passionate about this because this beautiful girl who's my wife on the front row, the first time she ever went to church, ever in her life, was at a carol service. True story. First time. Uh, You know, I grew up in a Christian family. I got to St. Church all the time. Deb didn't. In fact, this is a true story. This is what happened. There's there's a lot in this. I've got to be very careful how I word it. Okay. Okay, there's a lot in this. Okay. But there were two pubs close to the Brick Hill Church in Bedford. There was the Park Hotel, and there was the Burdenad, okay? The Park Hotel was very nice, very posh, had a little fire. The Burdenhand had a slot machine, okay, all right? Now, I know this is going to be tricky for you, but guess which, is, which of the pubs do you think I went to? Oh, I was the more the Burdenhand. But Deb, whew, posh girl. She was in the park hotel. <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve. I just want you to imagine it's Christmas Eve. I'm going to church. I'm not in the bird in hand, but Deb is. She's in the park hotel. And she's there with Tonya, who's in the youth group, and they go to school together. And Tonya, nearly as a joke, says, Why don't we go to the carol service? So Deb. Totally sober, of course. I wouldn't want to dishonour my wife in front of the church. Totally sober. Is, um, is invited to the candlelight service in Bedford that was from 11.30 to 12.30 on Christmas Eve. And that's the first time that Deb ever was inside a church. That was the first time she ever encountered the people of God. It was the first time she ever heard the gospel. I am very grateful for the Park Hotel... Antonia, and the invite, which was the beginning of a journey that resulted in faith. And you met me as well. I said, I mean, I am. I'm grateful. I'm I'm grateful. This week, who is going to come across your path that a simple invite would change someone's life forever? And then lastly... Um, God with us, let us approach him. It's well researched that Christmas has the potential to amplify your life, both good and bad. It's either a time of generous giving or it's a time of uh, agreed, I want more. I was asked to provide my Christmas list this week. I landed it with large financial gifts. That was my last idea. Uh, I try every year. It hasn't worked yet, but I'm every year, you know, we're just, you have to, what, what stuff are you going to get? 
This was quite sobering. Uh, I know this, and just heads up if you're married here, more people have more uh, relational tension, a more uh, separation, and more divorce at Christmas than any other time of year. It's stress, stress. And it's supposed to be a time where everything is like, oh, happy and merry, but it's stress, it's stress. In fact, I read one article that said the 11th of December, make a note, is, okay, be extremely nice to the other half on the 11th of December. But that statistically is the time that people break up more than any other time of the year. Okay? I, another article that one in two men feel depressed at Christmas. I read the article, I was nearly depressed reading it. I was just thinking, are you kidding me? Oh, God, maybe I'll be depressed at Christmas. And the other thing is more people feel alone at Christmas than any other time. And if you, if you see all the Facebook pictures across Christmas of everyone else's Christmas lunch, oh, crackers and things like that, it ain't the whole story, everyone. But God comes to earth. God with us. The God of heaven is born in a messy stable with hassled parents with nowhere to lay their head or rest or sleep. That's the context that Jesus is born into. That really is God with us, isn't it? God takes on human flesh. The creator identifies with his created, or as another famous hymn puts it, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. God with us. Flesh, blood and bone. Mind, heart and soul. Memory, imagination and judgment. He is one of our own. And he knows what it is to experience life firsthand. So whatever you face, whatever you have been through, whatever you will go through, Jesus can identify with you and you can approach him. He was born and he died. He was a child, he grew to be an adult. He knows the mountain and the valley. He knows how to rejoice and mourn joy and sadness, love and loss, celebration and suffering, laughing and weeping. You can Approach him. Or as the writer to Hebrew puts it, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And therefore let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In a moment, we're going to respond. We're going to land this message by showing you a video. It quotes a famous C.H. Spurgeon, who's known as the Prince of Preachers, led a church, big church in Elephant Castle, uh, and the past century back, or two now, uh, and uh, it's just him proclaiming Emmanuel, God with us. As we watch it and listen to it, I want to encourage you to reflect on what I've shared this morning. God with us, let us worship him. God with us, let us invite others towards him. God with us, let us approach him. And then after we watch the video, the band are going to come up. They're going to lead us in worship. And then in a moment, either myself or Hillary will come back up. And we're going to encourage you to move today and go up to the boards, either on the left or right, with our theme on, what a beautiful name, and write your name on it. You can put your name, your first name, you can sign your signature, your nickname, I don't mind what you identify with, 
I'll probably write Steve. And as I write Steve, I'm going to be at least doing one of the three things I've said. I'm definitely, I'm going to go, I'm going to worship him. I'm like, I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to worship him. Or I'm going to put my name on something. I think, God, you've spoken to me. I'm, I'm going to invite someone this week towards him. And for some of you, though, where life is particularly hard at the moment, you're going to kind of, it's like a cry for help. It's like, Lord, I'm going to approach him. I'm going to come to him and say, thank you, God, that though you are God, you're also fully man. And therefore, you can identify with what we walk through. Uh, just before we show the video, um, very often on Sunday morning, I'll get up early and I'll either go for a walk and pray or I will listen to some worship tapes or, or actually YouTube. And one of my favourites is uh, it's a, it's a Bethel one. It's called, I am not alone. I am not alone. You go before me, you never leave me. I am not alone. I am not alone. You go before me, you never leave me. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's uh, watch this uh, video as we begin to respond together this morning.